It's time for Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grossa. And welcome into another edition of Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grossa joined by Bart Scott, as always. Bart, how we doing, my friend? I can't complain. I would be better if we were comp- talking about a Jets victory in South Beach. They went down there. They accounted themselves very, very well, but they still fell short of their desired outcome. And, you know, eventually yeah, they got to figure out how to get on the other side of these type of games. They showed a lot of grit, showed a lot of heart, but um, it is still improvement to be made. No doubt about it. And, you know, they come up seven points short, ultimately. Same margin of defeat that they had against the Dolphins back at MetLife Stadium a few weeks ago. But this one, at least in the first half, felt a little bit different, right? They jumped out to that 10 nothing lead. Believe it or not, it was the first time the Jets have had a double-digit lead right. all season long. They took a 17-10 lead into the locker room. And then they were even down by seven in that fourth quarter. Brandon Eccles makes the big pick six. You got yourself a tie ball game with about a half a quarter left to play. And you didn't know which way it was going to go, but Dolphins just made a couple more plays at the end. And the offense in the second half, that's my big takeaway, Bart. The offense in the second half really unable to capitalize on all the good things they did in the first two quarters. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, you know, they, they this team struggles coming out of the locker room at halftime. It used to be flip-flop, right? It used to be that they started slow and then they finished, you know, they finished fast, but now they're starting fast and finishing slow. And whatever they're doing to start games, they have to try and act like the third quarter is to start all over again. This defense, once again, hasn't been able to stop the run as the Miami Dolphins average 80 yards rushing and they go for 184. You know, that's the difference. Being able to get them off, you know, off the field, you know, time and possession became an issue. And they have to find ways to make plays. And they just don't have en- enough possessions in the third quarter to be able to be in a position to win. But when Eccles has the, 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 the interception to pick six, you know, great play, you know, putting six points on the board. Um, they had an opportunity at that point to bow up as a defense, but they just wasn't able to get the job done. And for that, those guys on defense have to look themselves in the mirror. No doubt about it. And you, you, look, you, you mentioned the running game with Miami yesterday. And, and in all honesty, I mean, in our pregame show yesterday, we didn't even talk about the Dolphin running attack because it wasn't something that we really thought the Jets really had to worry about too much. As you said, they're ranked 31st in the National Football League. And for them to go out there and run the ball for 180 plus and Duke Johnson, who only had four touches all season long for him to go out there and have the game that he had yesterday. Miles Gaskin was a guy who was just coming off a of COVID protocol. To me, that was a little surprising how successful Miami was on the ground churning out those yards. And I mean, we put a we gave this this defense a lot of credit early in the season about what they were and what they were capable of doing and how the defense line was supposed to be the strength of this team. But the statistics don't lie. They have to be much better and they hold themselves to a higher standard. They have to start living up to it because this team cannot win. You know, it was tough to watch Riley go out. You know, um, thankfully he's you know, okay. Never, by the yeah, way, yeah, thankfully he's okay. You never really want to see you know a player carted off. I know that's an emotional, uh, you know, very emotional thing for not only the the team that the player plays on, but also for the opposing team because at any point that can be you. Um, but I, I felt like they lost left some plays out there. When you're a team that isn't a, a team that has a tremendous record and doesn't rank high in categories, you have to take advantage of the layups. You know, you look at, you know, Austin Davis had an opportunity 
uh, deflected ball. You know, he he got one, but you know the great ones and how you take the step from going from good to great is be able to make the second one as well when it falls in your lap and be able to get in the end zone. They weren't able to do that. Uh, seems like they found a kicker. Uh, at least at least we're yeah. not sitting here talking about the missed extra points or the missed uh, field goal attempts. They just have to do a better job, and it's not one thing you can put your finger on. It's just across the board. This team has to play smarter. This team has to be uh, understand situational football. I did like the fact that Lafleur came out with a lot of inv- innovative plays. You talk about the the their version, I believe, of the hook and ladder. We have Crowder throwing the ball back was an innovative play. I think it creates a lot of excitement and energy. You know, you would like to see them be able to have a little bit more productivity for the wide receivers with Elijah Moore being out. But, you know, I thought early on it was more about the tight end show and, and the fact that they had all three of their tight ends healthy. But they didn't keep it up. They did. They seemed like they strayed away from that personnel grouping. I don't know if Miami made the adjustment and then the Jets didn't make the adjustment to the adjustment. But those are opportunities. You know, when you got a team on the ropes, you got 10 points in the first first quarter. You got to try and be productive and, and get points on the board in the second quarter as well. And there's too many ebb and flows, ups and downs, and peers that this team doesn't execute. Well, and the other thing I think that impacted the offense, too, in the second half of the game, certainly the pass protection broke down, right? I mean, Zach got sacked six times yesterday. Five of them came after halftime and you know Miami who normally is a team that's going to come at you with the blitzing because they have corners that are good enough to just man up and shut down receivers yeah. you know that corner tandem it's as good as any in the National Football right. League and so like you said when you're missing a Corey Davis when you're missing an Elijah Moore it's still incumbent upon some of those guys that you know what you have to go out there and win your battles credit Miami though for being able to win those one-on-ones well, in the adjustment to the boots where they didn't, they couldn't anticipate where the boots were coming from, so they decided to take their pressure and come off both edges with secondary pieces that understood that if it was a boot either side, they didn't have to guess left or right. They put they blitzed both outside, you know, defensive backs a lot of times, and that's where the pressure came from, knowing that you get the turn protection when it's a boot. Everybody's going to go elephants on parade to the direction of the play fake and he's going to come back and you know they did a good job in coming from outside and making Zach have to pull up and being able to get to him and it seemed like they just had unblocked guys but it's because they brought one more than the Jets were able to block and they the Jets really didn't adjust to what they were doing as far as that aspect now, I wish they would have ran the ball a little bit more Tevin Coleman 6.3 yards per carry I, I think they you know when you have those type of wins or you have that type of lead going into halftime, you have to come out and establish a run and a win on first down. I just think the Jets did a bad job in winning on first down. Yeah, didn't necessarily see a lot of Michael Carter in terms of impact plays, right? I mean, he's coming off a miss in the last few games due to that ankle injury. So look to get him going probably a little bit more starting against the Jaguars here this week. But you're right, not much to speak of there with the run game. And, you know, you saw the absence of George Fampy, a big one, at left tackle, right? I mean, George has done a real nice job sliding over to the left side this year, filling in for Mekhi Becton, and he couldn't go with the knee yesterday. So Connor McDermott went out there, he battled, but... In all essence, Bart, you're talking about your third string left tackle going up against a Dolphin defense, which is playing really, really well of late. And you saw a couple of plays there at his expense, especially in that second half. Yeah, because you talk about playing offensive line, it's more about continuity and chemistry and nonverbal communication. And, you know, when you take a guy that has been playing at such a high level, you think about Fant. You know, I think he's only given up one, one sack this year. Yeah. And also being able to be a communicator for pre-snap, post-snap to a guy like Vera Tucker 
is very, very important. And when you take that out of the, out of the um, equation, it causes for a lack of communication, a lack of situational awareness. And it showed a little bit because, you know, when, when the Dolphins decided to get a little creative with their blitz packages, you know, the Jets, you know, were slow to react and, and respond to it. This is Inside the Jets, presented by Selective Insurance. Be uniquely insured. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott. I think the next step, when you talk about the evolution of this offense, the evolution of the quarterback, for example, is how do you put four quarters of good football together, yeah. right? Continue scoring points. Continue the positive momentum that you built in the first half. Because to me, there was some parallels, what we saw yesterday, to what we saw a couple of weeks ago against the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember, in the first half against Philly, Jets offense scored three touchdowns on their first three possessions of the game. Yeah. Second half, couldn't find the end zone. Same thing yesterday. They didn't score a point offensively after halftime. So I think the next challenge is, whether it's from the quarterback, the coaching staff, I mean, the entire offense as a whole, how do you continue that consistency for four quarters as opposed to just two? Oh, no, absolutely. And I mean, you know, what better team to get on track against in a team that you should be evenly matched with? You think about the Jacksonville Jaguars coming in. You know, you're going to have opportunities and you want to see them be able to take advantage of being able to have a young quarterback for the first time. They're going to, you know, yeah, I know when they go against Matt Jones, but Matt Jones is well coached, you know, to go against a guy where, you know, maybe you can put pressure on him and learn how to attack a rookie quarterback. And in both sides, you know, Zach Wilson can look how another rookie quarterback is being attacked and learn how to make the adjustments. I mean, you're going to have a tremendous matchup this week. You know, when you think about the first overall pick and the second overall pick, right? And understanding, that, listen, it didn't go. And I think maybe Zach Wilson can get some comfort for understanding that, listen, Lawrence is struggling as well. And, you know, sometimes it's a process because sometimes I think you can be too hard on yourself thinking that you, you know, should be better or playing at a different level. But then you see somebody that's in similar shoes, similar situations as you, and you should see what he does well, what he doesn't do well, and try to add that to your game. No doubt about it. Speaking of Zach, though, let's hear from the Jet quarterback. This was after the game yesterday, chatting with our own Bob Wischusen. Again, a lot of good things to build off of in the first half. At times, struggling to move the ball in the second half. Why, why do you think that first half to second half uh, issue still exists for your offense? Uh, I think it's just part of the part of the game. You know, you got to give credit to the defense. I thought they did a good job mixing some things up and. Um, you know, we just got to win. I think the game was just full of one-on-ones all the way around. I got to give the guys uh, some better balls to be able to win. And then, you know, we just got to we just got to put some drives together. How hard was it for your team to get back to football after watching what happened with Elijah Riley? I mean, obviously our heart's out to him and, uh, you know, we hope he's doing well always, you know, but I think the motive is to, you know, come out and play harder, you know, for him and, you know, and everything. I don't think that has anything to do with it. You know, I think we just got to, you know, keep going. I think that's just the ups and downs of football. For you? Every game's a learning experience, I'm sure. So to have a couple of opportunities at the end with timeouts in your hip pocket, trying to get a two-minute offense run, well, what do you think when you go back again to look at this tape you'll take out of this experience and learn? Yeah, it's a tough situation. Um, you know, just finding our completions. You know, we got to be penalty-free. I think that's the biggest one. And, you know, those will kill those two-minute drives. And so um, it really just comes down to execution uh, when adversity hits and, and all the pressure's on. And so it was a good situation to be in just to experience it, you know, but uh, we got to put something together there. All right, Zach, thanks. Appreciate sure. it. Thanks. So that's Bob with shoes in there with Zach Wilson. And, you know, one of the things that Bob asked Zach, and I'll ask it to you as a player, you know, what is that emotional swing like? You know, the Elijah Riley injury yesterday where he was down for a long time, had to be carted off. And, you know, you could hear a pin drop in the stadium because everybody felt the magnitude of it, though. 
Just from a human level, though, when you see something like that, one of your guys go down, have to leave the game, you don't know how serious the injury is. Is it hard to just forget about that and then go and continue playing football? It, it depends on the injury. A lot of times when you see compound injuries, like, you know, guy, like like I can remember playing with Musa Muhammad, and this is the reason why they um, outlawed the horse collar uh, tackle. You know, Roy Williams, you know, horse collar him, and it's, you know, watches the, the, the dislocation of the leg spin around, stuff like that. But when somebody, like, is hurt, um, you know, he, he put the thumbs up so you thought that he was good. It looked like he can move his, you know, his upper body. You, you never know. The, the biggest fear that you ever have is that somebody's going to get paralyzed on the field. That's the biggest fear that I believe that all athletes have. Um, but we are so trained to learn how to move on um, and, and be able to compartmentalize. Like, okay, we have to go back to doing our job, and the best way to honor our teammate, the best thing that we can do right now, is to play inspired for him, so that we can get the victory and try and present him with the game ball or try and put him in good spirits and because you're going to check on him afterwards but it's nothing you can do you're powerless and you just have to try and and, and move on and go to the next play it happens in practice all the time guys go down you turn the drill over and you handle what you can handle what you could control is how you're going to play inspired for your teammate you know three games left here in this season okay and you're going to go out there and you're going to try to win each and every one of them certainly every guy in that locker room wants to win games but you've been on teams in your career where overall the season didn't play out the way you wanted it to. Can you gain something positive from a strong close to the season, taking it with you into the offseason, then perhaps into next year? Is there still something to gain from, let's say, winning your last two, three football games? Well, it's always something to gain for the opportunity to improve, right? The opportunity to go against a team that you don't know, personnel that you don't know, situations that you don't know. And it shows you a lot about the character of your teammates, right? It shows you if guys are guys who are going to play through the whistle, who's going to continue to finish strong, run through the line, or if they're guys that are going to feel sorry for themselves and go into self-preservation mode. So I think as far as the team building phase, it kind of tells you who you can count on because it's more about managing failure in this league than it is about managing success because you're going to fail far many more times than you succeed. So if you're one of these guys that's going to hold on to the rope and pull it in the right direction, you like to see that with your teammates and say, hey, no matter what, if we're out here, I'm going to play to the standard. And right now you're trying to establish the standard, the standard that, hey, this is what a jet looks like. This is how we play. And this is how we represent the names on the front of our jerseys before we start worrying about the names on the back. No doubt about it. And, and, you know, when you look at this defense and we talked about it a little bit earlier, the struggles that they've experienced and now they're missing some pieces because of injuries. You know, we don't know the status of Quinnen, for example. He left in that game in the second half yesterday. We know he's dealing with the bum shoulder. Foley Fadukasi was in COVID protocol, missed the game. So that's two big run stuffers that weren't in that lineup. But you also saw the turnovers, right? You saw the two interceptions yesterday. You were plus two in that department. I think that that's something maybe you can look to gain some traction with for the final three games. I mean, the Brandon Eccles pick six part, that was the first interception by a Jet corner all yeah. season long. And it took until the 14th game. Maybe get a little bit more, you know, opportunistic when it comes to the takeaways over the next three weeks. I think that could be something to build upon. I mean, you talk about, you know, believing your eyes and what we say, pulling the trigger, right? We had some guys, you know, Bryce Hall has been there multiple times where he's right there to make a pick or it turns into a, a PBU, 
right? You understand that you get paid in this league to, to get turnovers and put your offense on short fields. If you can do what Eccles did, you know, we call that hitting for the cycle. You're able to get the turnover and, and take it to the end zone to get the touchdown, right? Because you can't take anything for granted in this league as far as if you get a turnover, you hand it to the offense, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get seven. So whenever you have an opportunity to put seven on the, on the, on the board, you do that. And, you know, he was, he was decisive in his decision-making. He believed what he had studied. You know, he saw the comeback coming back to a, through a ball that he was late on, and Eccles took advantage of it. And that's something that you that you try and focus on because, you know, you want to be one of these teams that, you know, people have to worry about so many other different things, not just about if you're going to take a big hit or if it's going to be a, you know, a physical hit, but you have to be worrying about, okay, how am I going to secure the football because these guys are grabbing at the football. First guy go make secure the tackle. Second, third guy's in, try and get the ball out. And that, the, the, those are things that you see the best teams and the best defenses do on a routine basis. You talk about turning the ball out, you know, but those are things that have to be practiced. And then when you practice them, you know, you see them and you go in, you try and implement them and try and execute them when you play in the game, right? And you you saw the attempts and hopefully they can start figuring out how to get this done and you start seeing more opportunities to get turnovers and setting their offense up and putting them on short fields. That's what the best defenses do. All right, we're just getting started here. A lot more to do on this edition of Inside the Jets, presented by EY Building a Better Working World. Dan Gross and Bart Scott coming back right after this. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. Dan Grassa alongside Bart Scott. And remember, Jets fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app, presented by Fubo Sportsbook. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and search official New York Jets. We talked a little bit earlier, Bart, about takeaways in yesterday's game. And Brandon Eccles, one of the rookies, getting that pick six. And Ashton Davis in the first quarter coming up with the interception. That's a second-year player. You think about that secondary, and it has really, even all season long, been littered with guys who are pretty much only in their first or second year in the National Football League. Even though the team doesn't necessarily get the results that they want each and every week, those guys are getting valuable experience to where you hope when next season rolls around, they'll be able to hit the ground running. You know, Ashton's been a guy that has been forced into a leadership role, and he has to step up, right? You're the sink and swim in this league. And, you know, right now he's starting to make plays and now he's building his confidence up because I feel like this is a kid that's really hard on himself, and he, he holds himself to a high high standard, but he just doesn't have the experience in the plays. He's getting plenty of that, you know, be it at, at May and Joyner's expense. But, you know, I got my start in this league because Ray Lewis got hurt and gave me an opportunity to prove myself, but, you know, also build confidence because everybody in this league can play. The problem is can you process and can right. you play, can you, make high, can you be a high-percentage decision-maker when 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 the when the when the height of the levels are at its stressful most stressful times, you know when it's two minute, when it's pivotal times where you're behind, you have to get a stop. Can you be a high percentage decision maker? And he's starting to become one, and I think everybody else is starting to believe in him. And it's going to be something that's going to catapult him into the season. That's what everybody's playing for. They're playing for the opportunity to be able to have an opportunity next year. Because if you don't prove that you can play and you can carry your weight and that it is a bright future for you. And they're going to start going out looking for your replacement. That's just the reality of the NFL. You know, it's different for everybody, right? Like to where you're able to put it all together for a young player. And you said, you know, you got an opportunity. Ray Lewis got hurt. But you would have been paying your dues up until that point, being a part of the team. Not necessarily when the moment was. But I'm curious with you, when did you know? What was it specifically that triggered to you when you said, I got this now. I got this figured out to where you weren't thinking as much and you were just able to go out there and play. What was the one thing that said, all right, now I know this? 
it's, it's when you've been in enough situations and you're confident in the game plan, right? Because what happens is when you think it makes you slow, right? And, and that's what happens. Most of these guys were stars just last year. Then you put them out there and it's hesitancy because they're not confident in what they're, what they're seeing and what they're believing, their checks, and, and, and it forces them to play slower. When it, when, it, when it all opened up for me is when I can play with anticipation, pre-snap reads, where my vision opened up. My vision opened up because I wasn't panicking when somebody came in motion or it was a shift. I knew exactly what the check was. I knew exactly what was expected with me. I knew exactly what my teammate was going to be because we had practiced it in practice. We had communicated, talked about if we get this, this is how we should see it. Because what happens is it happens so fast in the game, you don't maybe get an opportunity to communicate it. You can't sit around and go in the huddle and say, hey, man, let's do this. Like, no. It happens in a nanosecond, and you have to be able to see it at the same way and be where you expect him to be, him to be where you expect him to be, and you to be where he expects you to be. And then when you do that, now you're not pausing. Instead of you know getting a pass breakup, you're, you have the confidence to step in front and, and be able to make a bigger play. So it's all about experience and reps, and I say it all the time. And it becomes redundant. A veteran isn't a veteran because he doesn't make mistakes. A veteran is a veteran because he's made all the mistakes, whether it's in practice in the game, but he's learned from them and he's able to apply it and not make the same mistakes over and over again. You may make a mistake, but it's a new mistake. No doubt about it. So Brandon Eccles, you saw the beneficiary of that yesterday with the pick six. Big moment for the Jets there in the fourth quarter of that football game. Afterwards, though, he caught up with our team reporter, Ethan Greenberg. All right, now joined by cornerback Brandon Eccles. Brandon, let's start on a positive note for you. Your first interception, your first touchdown. When you lined up on the play, did you have a feeling the ball was going to come your way? Uh, yeah, I kind of did just, you know, by the way they lined up, but it was also good, you know, team communication across the board. You know, uh, I want to give credit to Michael Carter, the second, the DB. He called out a play, you know, and I trusted it. And so, you know, he led me, you know, to get my first interception. How, how good did it feel, do you feel like, to not only get that, but also to give your team a jolt and to tie the game at the point in, in which you did? Uh, it felt good, but I also knew, you know, that I still, that we still had more work to go out, you know, and do. So my focus, even though I got the interception, my focus was to try to get back on the field and make another one, make another play. Brandon, you didn't play against the Dolphins in the first go around at MetLife Stadium. Now that, you, like, what did you hear from your teammates leading up to this week? And also, how do you feel like you performed today? Uh, just basically, just recapping on the last game. You know, uh, we all was just emphasizing all the, you know, the different things they could do, all the possibilities that could happen. And, you know, and we just, you know, wanted to come out to the field and apply. You know, it, this whole we was just, you know, being in our heads, communication, communication and execution. That's the biggest part is the execution part. Uh, we executed some plays, some plays we did. But, just, you know, that's just something we got to work on as a young team. Coach Sala has talked so much about how, as young players, especially like yourself, this is the part in which you want to see young rookies develop. You had your first touchdown today. When you think about when you first joined the Jets in April, how much or how much do you feel like you've grown and how much more do you feel like you can show before the end of the season? I feel like I've grown a lot, uh, especially uh, within confidence. And I'm speaking for every, like all the rookies, and including my other teammates. Our confidence just, you know, it gets better and better every week uh, going into the uh, different teams. And that's, you know, for me, that's a big thing for us, just confidence and, you know, not, you know, going out there panicking. Awesome, Brandon. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you.
All right, so that is Brandon Eccles with Ethan Greenberg. Good performance from Brandon yesterday. Want to see more of that over the final three weeks here of his rookie season. And it was interesting part two, right? You heard him say Michael Carter, the other rookie DB, called out the play before the ball was snapped there. A little rookie help on a rookie there. That's good to see for guys who maybe don't have the experience as much as a veteran. Well, but that's what it's all about, right? It's like everybody's alive. That's why you communicate. That's why you study film, right? You know, you may recognize something within a play that, you know, the, another guy may not, but it you know, may come to him. So understand, okay, listen, I've seen this formation. I understand this set, right? Like, listen, this guy, this split, I've, I've studied this all the time, right? And, and if you're one of these teammates that people know that you study, that you pay attention, that you're that you're locked into the little things, that you not only can, can pay attention, and, you know, before the game and, and your film study, but also can see conceptually what teams are doing out of certain formations and knowing that, hey, this is a pivotal moment, that this is going to be one of those stick routes, you know, believe it, and he trusted his teammate. And that's what it's all about. It's about trust. You know, you have to trust that he's going to be where he's supposed to be, but you're supposed to be able to trust and believe that, hey, he sees something, and you know that he's a guy that doesn't give false information. He's just not one of these over-communicators that screams, watch the screen watch the draw like okay everybody know that like that's like come on man that's a tip reminder did you see something do you have conviction in it you sure because i'm gonna trust you and i'm gonna jump it and when you have that type of blind trust and you have that type of blind uh, or you have that type of commitment where you know everybody on this team is working and, and studying and he says something is, is is law he says hey jump it and he jumps it you have to give him credit first of all right quote your sources but then, you know, you, you celebrate in that. You celebrate in the fact that all the hard work that you did and all the studying that you did, you know, paid off. Because you can study for, for, for a whole game and nothing right. that you study really comes to fruition. But if you see something that you recognize and you say it and it comes, man, that, that just emboldens everybody else to be able to say, you know, we got to look at film too. Like if he can do it and if you have a, a whole team of guys that's giving out information, man, that's you talk about playing at a high level – Teams think that you're omnipresent, think that it's 20 of you out there because you communicate and you prepare for every situation, which allows you to play so much faster. Coming up next here on Inside the Jets, we'll be joined by a member of that defense, defensive lineman Sheldon Rankins is going to be our guest. It's Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott. It's time now for our player guest segment, brought to you by EY Building a better working world, he is first-year member of the New York Jets, veteran defensive lineman Sheldon Rankins. Nice enough to join us again here on Inside the Jets. Sheldon, thanks for being our first repeat guest here in the 2021 season. What's going on? Not much, man. Just you know, just glad y'all loved having me on so much the first time. I decided to swing back in and show my face, man. Love it. it. Was so it was so nice. We had to do it twice, man. Now you guys go down to South Beach with revenge on your mind. You guys get out to a fast start off offensively. What was the vibe like, and what was the what was the atmosphere like when you know you talk about going somewhere that's uh fifty degrees hotter than where you where you reside in that? Yeah, man. Listen, everybody knew um, that playing playing uh, going down to that warmer temperature when you ain't been exposed to it, you know, um, every possession is gonna count, you know, because at some point that, that that heat is gonna kick in, it's gonna play a factor, but. Um, it was good for us to get out to that type of start. You know, that's, that's the type of start we always want to get out to. So for us to be able to do it, show we can do it, and, and be able to, to sustain it for, for as long as we did, obviously didn't end the way we wanted it to. But, you know, to be able to do that, get out to that start, 
Um, just furthermore shows that this team is continuing to work, continuing to lock in on the things we need to lock in on. Obviously, things still to clean up, but overall, um, you know, we'll, we'll take that start. We just got to work on the finish part. Now, were you a proud papa when you saw those little young Thundercats out there, you know, turning the ball over? You talk about Echoes. You talk about Davis. Davis dropped, too, so he still owe you guys push-ups for dropping the other one because, you know, those, those <laughs> are the type of plays that help you win games. When they present themselves, they don't come too often, but you get tip ball, you got you to gotta get – you got to ask you both of those. But how proud were you of the young guys for being able to step up and, and, and Man, get those turnovers? Definitely proud of those guys, man. I, I see the work they put in, and I see how hard they get coached. I see how hard they get pushed. So, you know, to see them step up in situations where, you know, we needed those. You know, we 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 need those big plays on defense to kind of to kind of shift the momentum, um, get the offense back the ball, get Zach back the ball, allow him to get rolling. Um, we needed those plays, and then for Echoes, that pick six. I mean, you know, scoring on defense, you know, that's that's a game changer. You know, you can't you, you can never have too many of those moments. So um happy to see those young guys step up and I and I hope that continues to breed confidence in their in their level of play out there. You know, you guys have had not exactly as much success as you would like when it comes to creating those turnovers this year, right? I mean, the defensive line had more interceptions than the corners leading up to this game yesterday here. So to see an Echoes come up with that play, then you have Ashton Davis do his thing in the first quarter, like Bart talked about there. You know, what type of an infusion of energy does that give a defense when you are creating those turnovers like you did on Sunday? That's big. You know, I think, um, you know, anytime you can get turnovers that 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 negates any rhythm an offense can have, you know, so if, if you're negating rhythm, um, you know, that's that's big because, you know, an offense without rhythm, you know, they're never going to get going. You know, um, you know, you got those big strike offenses who can hit every now and then. But for the most part, offenses work off of rhythm. So, you know, if you're not allowing them to get into rhythm, you know, now you got the quarterback second, second guessing his reads and doing things like that. You know, then it just kind of plays right in our hands. We can attack. We can, you know, um, read our keys, play fast and, and everybody can get downhill and make plays. Now, Tua Tungvaloa have been killing the league in, you know, percentage, completion percentage. You know, he was up in the high 70s, but you guys were able to hold him, like, to slightly over 50-something percent. What was the key and what was the point of emphasis from a defensive standpoint in that passing game not allowing him to get in the rhythm? Yeah, I think it was challenging those guys on the outside. Um, you know, that, that was going to be big. And then, um, you know, not allowing him to go to his first read, you know, with that RPO stuff. You know, they're, they're usually um, – that first read is where they want to go. That's how they make their money. So, um, being able to get them off those first reads and, and making them have to go elsewhere with the ball, making them have to hold it, you know, because uh, just based off his career thus far, you know, it's, it's shown when, when he's not able to be a rhythm guy and he has to kind of, you know, pat the ball, move his feet, um, hold it a little longer. You know, he's, he's less accurate. Um, he's less decisive, you know, and he's more prone to, to, to throw the ball to us. So uh, being able to kind of fluster him a little bit, make him move a little bit, uh, you know, get, get get him off those first reads um, was big, you know, and, and then they had to kind of lean on the run game. Speaking of the run game, you know, we just saw this Dolphins team or you guys saw this Dolphins team basically a month ago at MetLife Stadium. Was there anything different that they did from a tactical standpoint, X's and O's, when it came to the run that allowed them to have a little bit more success than they did in the first meeting against you guys? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you look at it, uh, they went a, a bit more uh, extra tackle in the game, you know, added an extra big body to kind of be able to to, to really try to hit us downhill. Um, did a bit more gap schemes, uh, you know, they, they were able to kind of do that and, and kind of try to, um, 
you know, create some 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 um, gap, you know, deficiencies and and you know um, some questions for us. And, and they were able to kind of hit on some runs. And then overall, we just got to tackle better too. You know, there were some situations where um, you know guys are there, um, you know, guys are there to make those plays, but you know, guys just got to be able to to get the guy down, you know, for a gain of three instead of, you know, allowing him to pop for a gain of seven or eight. That's just, that's just allowing them to stay in manageable situations. And, you know, when you got a team like that that feels like they, they want to run the ball, if you allow them to stay in manageable situations, you know, they can, you know, operate on their whole playbook. Guys were a little bit shorthanded yesterday, you know, on that defensive line. Foley was in the COVID protocol. That's one of your captains, one of your big run stuffers there. And then Quinn couldn't finish the game as he's been battling with that shoulder injury. What does that do to shift responsibilities for not only yourself but for the rest of the defensive line when you're playing shorthanded like that? Well, guys got to step up. You know, obviously, you know, you, you you hate to lose key guys like those two. I mean, those are, you know, t top tier players in this league. So, you know, to be without those guys for any amount of time was 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 a big loss. But overall, you know, I, I, I put it on myself. I put it on JFM. I put it on you know, the rest of that defensive line to – we just got to be able to rise up and make a few more plays here and there, you know, whether it's, like I said, you know, just getting off a block a little faster, ho holding a run to a gain of two instead of, you know, letting it creep through for a gain of five. Um, you know, those things, you know, throughout the, the culmination of a game, those things really add up. So, um, you know, I'll put it on myself. I'll put it on, you know, on the rest of that D-line. Like, at the end of the day, um, we feel like we're good enough to get out there and make those plays. We just weren't able to do it yesterday. You know, what's the difficulty now, you know, uh, especially when you get to the, the end of the season, you really don't have a lot of live drills. You guys aren't doing 907. You're not getting live reps. Then now you're going against, you know, somebody that's not a rolling donut. You know, how difficult is it to to, to, to really be able to learn how or, or be consistent with your tackling? Is it as much as just reminding each other about the fundamentals? Or, you know, do you think you guys should hit a little bit more? And I know no player would say that out loud, but just understand it's just, you and I talking, you know, do you yeah. think maybe y'all should have like a period of nine oh seven and take the pads off afterwards? Are you guys doing that or or what's what's the what's the rules going on? And the league has changed so much since I've got since I've left. Yeah, so I mean I I, I think the big thing is it's kind of twofold. You know, I, I understanding that um the, the way this game works, you got to get population to the ball. You know, the guys are too talented now, guys are, are elusive, guys are, you know, strong, you know. At the end of the day, you know, guys are making the first guy miss, breaking first tackle. So getting all everybody to the ball is going to be huge. And then, um, you know, from a practice standpoint, you know, yeah, we aren't hitting, you know, yeah, the pads aren't on. But understanding that, you know, in those periods that are moving fast, you know, making sure you get yourself in the right position, taking that extra step, taking that those extra two steps to get closer to the ball, put yourself in a position that you would make the tackle in in the game and not just running by and in your head saying, oh, yeah, I would have made that in the game. Because, you know, if we're just going to be completely honest, you know, uh, it's, it's not showing up. So, um, you know, we, we've missed some tackles that, you know, guys may feel like they would have made. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they're coming up as missed tackles. So just just focusing on those little things, like I said, just making sure you, you, know, you take those extra you know, steps in practice to make sure you're putting yourself in position that when it's live and the bullets are real, um, that you'll be able to make those plays. Three games left in the season. Obviously, there's not going to be any playoffs for this team this year, but you're a veteran. You've been through seasons like this before. Do you feel as one of maybe the leaders on this football team, you have to impart to the younger guys about, hey, finish strong. These games still matter. These games still count. Is that any type of message you have to maybe give to those guys? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, for just 
to be completely honest, for a team that's you know lost as much as you know the Jets have, and you know a lot, a lot of a lot, a lot of people don't understand you know how this league can work. Sometimes you know you shut it down, you 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 throw in the towel these last few games. You know you could be jobless in a few months. You know you could literally be sitting on the couch, uh, hoping for a call because at the end of the day, the tape is your resume. You know other teams don't know how hard you practice. Other teams don't know how nice of a guy you are in the building, you know, uh, how smart you are on the board. Like, teams don't understand that. So, at the end of the day, all they can do is put on the tape. And if the tape don't say enough to make them want to ask those other questions, then it doesn't matter. So, understand it. you know, getting guys to understand that, you know, this is your job. You know, each and every day you're, you're allowed to put on those pads and go to work. It's an opportunity, and you got to take, you know, full advantage of it and make the most of it because this is your livelihood. You got a small window in your life to carve out your legacy in this game. You know, make as much money for your family, uh, you know, your future kids, your grandkids, and, and generations to come, and, uh, and and leave your legacy on this game. So, um, you know, just just fully imparting that on people, just because like you know, Bart's played Bart played a long time, and he's seen it happen. You know, guys throwing the towel. You know, th those are the same guys. You know, you come back for OTAs and you never see him again. You know what I'm saying? So, at the end of the day, getting guys to understand that like each and every opportunity we get to take the field is a chance that you need to take full advantage of to leave your legacy on this game and 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 leave. And leave, and leave nothing to chance. You know, go out there, give it your all, and at the end of the day, you can put your head on the pillow knowing you did that. Tape is your resume. I like the way you put that there. Well, Sheldon, really appreciate a couple of minutes, as always. We love having you on the show here. We don't talk to you between now and the weekend. Have a, a great Merry Christmas, you and your family, and uh, thanks again for joining us, as always. I hey, appreciate you guys for having me. And I'll continue right. to tell everybody how nice a guy you are in the building. You keep it all the way 100. You know what I'm saying? I, I tell other people who are not really in that building, too, though. Uh, I, I, I know you will. <laughs> That's Sheldon Rankins. This is Inside the Jets. More to come, presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. Dan Gross alongside Bart Scott. And Inside the Jets is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code GREEN for a special offer. When you sign up, it's only at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you're a football fan, Bart, which, of course, you and I are, and everybody listening and watching our show is, or else they wouldn't be listening and watching, this is kind of like the best you could hope for here in the next couple of weeks. It seems like we have football every single day. I mean, unfortunately, it's because of the COVID postponements, which you never want to see, but we've got two games on Monday. Yeah. We've got two games on Tuesday. We got a game on Thursday. We got two games on Christmas Day on Saturday, and then another whole slate again on Sunday. I mean, this is like Nirvana if you're a football fan. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about, you know, I think, you know, thanks, thanks. To the NFL for giving us Wednesday an opportunity to catch our breath as they're going to hit us hard and heavy. Like, there's no way we would be able to watch all, all these games if they were playing at the same time. Think about COVID taking over football, it's taking over sports altogether. The NFL is trying their best to make sure that it's not an unfair competitive advantage. Um, but, you know, not everybody agrees with it. You, you complain and saying that they were supposed to play on Saturday, so now you got teams that are going to have a regular week going into a long week where it, I'm not concerned with what happens the week of, but what happens the following week when guys are tired or guys aren't, aren't uh, able to get the necessary rest is going to affect next week. But I understand these games are too important to give that big of a fair advantage. You talk about the Cleveland Browns, 23 people in the protocol. 
But, you know, what I get concerned with is, you know, we're doing everything to make sure that Baker Mayfield and, and, and um, you know, the coach can get back and they can get back. But what happens on the other side if in between that time a guy like Derek Carr tests positive, they're not going to move right. the game for him. So I think it's an unfair advantage. You just have to continue to play, you know, the protocols. But this is an opportunity for teams to kind of go into a bunker mentality and say, listen, we're going to be the more disciplined team. And if it's going to be a team that, that loses a game because they don't have some of their key players because of COVID, it won't be us because we're going to do the right thing, the responsible thing. We're not going to go out. We're not going to uh, congregate. We're just going to, you know, do things virtually and, and, and win that way. Um, you know, last week we watched on Monday Night Football, we watched, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higbee, two of their most important players offensively and defensively, get pulled from the field. So, I mean, listen, nobody can control what happens in the midst of a pandemic. I'm not suggesting that. And I'm not right. Nobody that wants these players. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not. I'm not suggesting that these players were negligent. But what I'm saying is, we shouldn't. We shouldn't um, hold the team that doesn't have the outbreak, you know, accountable, responsible, because it's not their fault, and it becomes a disadvantage their way. So we don't want to take it up advantage from one way and swing the pendulum to the other side as well. But it's going to be interesting and because of it, we have multiple games on Monday, Tuesday, and um, it's starting pretty briefly, you know what I mean? Five o'clock start for, for the Raiders and the traveling and they're on the bus. And, you know, we just got to figure it out, man. Figure it out. And um, we want the best team to win, but I love the fact that every game matters. So many teams yeah. are still available and live in the tournament. No doubt about it. And look, you make the best with what you have. And you saw Baltimore yesterday, for example, on that note, without Lamar Jackson. Now, look, he's dealing with an ankle injury. But without having him, who's your star, who's your MVP caliber player, Tyler Hundley goes out there, plays pretty good football, and has Baltimore within – right. I mean, think about it. He has him within a two-point conversion away from knocking off Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Unfortunately, they couldn't complete the play. And look, I got no problem with the decision. I have no problem at all with the decision yeah. to go for two – just didn't execute the play. Well, I didn't like the play call because I think that puts, you know, that puts your margin for error really, really small. You talk about cutting the field, only having one receiver to throw to your eye that receiver the entire time. You know, you don't have the opportunity if the play breaks down to find a secondary option. I know Hollywood Brown was coming from the back side, but, you know, they doubled him. But I don't have any problem with it. And I think it's something that the Jets should be able to look to, right? It's yeah. not about the people that's in the jersey. It's about the standard of excellence and the commitment to each other, right? Because if you look at how many players that they have not playing this year, they shouldn't even be in this game with the baddest man in the planet, the, the, the team with the best record in the NFC. And right, right there, they're not there in a position to tie the game. They're positioned to win the game. They went for the win, and you can't apologize for that. Because, they, I mean, they have five DBs out, right? They, they, they have no running backs, you know, even available. And they've been doing this the entire year. That's why it's important to develop a culture. This is where we at with the Jets and their process of building their program. The culture and accountability and the standard of excellence. You hear Mike Tomlin, who's another team that sh shouldn't be even in the tournament or even right. have an opportunity to go to postseason. It's a good win for them. And he says all the time, the standard is the standard. We don't make excuses. We just get the job done. And if the Jets can look at those two type of programs and strive to be that, that one day they can say the standard is the standard. And this is what the jet looks like and when people see a guy play they say hey he, this guy plays like a jet that's what it used to mean you know when i was there that's what it needs to mean and have to mean going forward if they want to turn this program around i saw a tweet last night from somebody i can't remember who it was from but essentially said that 
well, now it's official. The Buccaneers are going to win the Super Bowl again because the two times that Tampa Bay's won the Super Bowl, 2002 and last year, the Saints swept them both of those seasons. And now the Saints did it again last night. I can't believe that they went down there and they shut out Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in their building. I mean, we just saw the Saints last week. We know they got a good defense, but I didn't expect Brady and company to be kept off the scoreboard entirely. Well, that win was from the defense, right? If they don't score, they don't win, right? And Jason Hill didn't turn the football over enough or put the team in, in, in too much risk. And that defense matches up tremendously. Styles make fights. And the way that the Saints go about business and their unique personnel is built to give Tom Brady and that Tampa Bay offense issues. And, yeah, I understand that Godwin went down. I understand that Fournette went down. They still had enough players. They still had a Hall of Fame tight end. They had a Hall of Fame quarterback going against a team that doesn't have, you know, doesn't have Mike. Michael Thomas that's missing a lot of weapons, doesn't have their head coach. But once again, like I say all the time, the standard is the standard. And they say, you know what? We're going to step up, put it on our backs when it's too tough for everybody else. It's just right for us. And that's the mentality that you have to have. But they play tight man-to-man coverage, challenge these receivers at the line of scrimmage, and then give Brady time to process and go through and find the open man because they had pressure at his feet, guys falling at his feet, guys got penalties for hitting him in his feet, throwing guys you know, at his feet. And they just found a way to get it done. And that's, you know, you have to tip your hat to them. If they don't go to the postseason, they still can be proud. The fact that they lost their, their, their starting quarterback, that they lost their, you know, they never had their number one $100 million receiver, but yet right. they're right there. No doubt about it. Listen, we got to hit a wrap on this show. First of all, have a Merry Christmas, you and the entire Scott family. Likewise. Hope it's a great one, right? I mean, we get to enjoy Saturday, which is nice. And then we're back to work on yeah, you'll Sunday. Get some socks. You know, get some nice socks. You always need socks. You need the socks. Maybe some flashy ones. We'll see how we go. But then we're right back to work on Sunday. Jets, Jaguars back at MetLife Stadium. But seriously, dude, enjoy the holiday. You and the family will do it again next week. Absolutely. Enjoy this football. Bonus football. Absolutely. Football, Christmas, nothing better. He's Bart Scott. I'm Dan Grasa. Thanks for joining us again here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Happy holidays, everybody.